It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, listener. We are talking about the Postal Service in this episode. And man, if you have tried to mail something, you know how frustrating it is. So I guess what I'm saying is, we curse a little bit. You've been warned. If you Google around, try to figure out who is doing what at the post office these days, if you click the official organizational chart for the agency, you're likely to get one of those 404 not found messages. At least, that's what happened to me when I tried to figure it out yesterday. Because a couple of days ago, Who's doing what at the U.S. Postal Service changed radically. Yeah, I mean, that's never a good sign, right? Jordan Weissman has been covering the post office for Slate. 23 executives were either reassigned or replaced, which is huge. Yeah, it's just like the entire top of the org chart, you know, got shuffled around. I wouldn't say everything changed. I would say everybody who had reasons to be concerned previously now have more reasons to be concerned. People have been concerned because the United States Postal Service is finding itself stretched increasingly thin. It's running out of money, like a lot of businesses that are dealing with this coronavirus. It's being led by a new postmaster general, a guy known for pushing workers to a breaking point. And all this is happening as it's begun to dawn on many politicians just how essential the mail is going to be come November. The, the sense of dread is escalating very, very fast because everyone has realized that the upcoming election is going to hinge largely on our ability to make vote-by-mail work, right? It's just there's no way that everyone who would ordinarily go to the polls is going to do it this time around because we have a plague. And there's one more thing. Denise, people have been lining up all week at this post office trying to find their mail. They say they're missing. This slowdown in post office service, you can feel it all across the country. Me and my wife have been sitting here waiting for mail for like the last five days. Dozens of frustrated... You can tell it's a story when like local news is covering it everywhere, right? Like that's like, you know, it's not just like, oh, you know, political reporters at like the Washington Post or New York Times are are worried about, you know, the speed of mail delivery. It's like you're seeing these local news stories about how, you know, residents in Maryland towns are like, you know, showing up infuriated at their local post office and like banging down the door to get their letters and their mail and their packages because things aren't showing up. Survived the COVID, survived everything. The only thing I didn't survive was the mail. The delays have been a- I'm not a conspiracist by nature, but like way to do exactly the thing you would expect the Postal Service to do if you thought it was aiming to sabotage and undermine vote by mail, right? It's just, it's nuts. It's totally nuts. Today on the show what Washington needs to do to get you your mail, and to ensure a free and fair election. Both of these goals run right through the U.S. Postal Service. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us.
This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Postal Service has been in rough shape for years. We've talked on this show about some of the reasons. The internet dealt a blow to mail volume. The Postal Service is dogged by a requirement that it pre-funds its employee health care benefits. And many Republicans want the Postal Service to function more like a business. So it makes sense that the Trump administration would push the Postal Service in that direction. The pandemic just kind of accelerated all of these trends. Early on in the coronavirus crisis, it was very obvious that the Postal Service was going to be in financial trouble. And they started asking for a very large, a fairly large bailout, um, which Donald Trump was not at all on board with and the administration was not on board with because the entire Trump administration hates the Postal Service. Donald Trump, you know, has been ranting and raving about it for years now for all sorts of reasons. And to be fair, like every business was lined up for a bailout (laughs) when the coronavirus hit. Right, exactly. But the difference is that, you know, most businesses don't have uh, Donald Trump's, you know, burning antipathy to deal with. But um, the thing to realize about the Postal Service's financial troubles is that most of them really are or have been due to this pre-funding requirement, right, for years. People kind of toss off that that phrase, pre-funding requirement, right? And you see it mentioned in stories. But, but it's actually worth kind of getting into the background of what that was. Um, essentially, back in 2006, Congress decided that the Postal Service should have to pre-fund about 75 years worth of its retiree health benefits. Does any other organization do this? No, nobody does this. No, no. I mean, it's insane. Public, private. Yeah, just it's I I don't know of any private one that does this. There are certainly some uh, companies that have overfunded. There are a few companies that have overfunded pension funds, but 75 years worth of retiree health benefits. I mean, for there's no one in the federal government that does that. It was silly. And it immediately started to go wrong because they passed this in 2006 or 2007. And then we got the Great Recession and the, the Postal Service just got walloped. And so for years and years after this, the Postal Service has been putting up these huge paper losses, the majority of which have come from this pre-funding requirement. They're often not even making these payments. They're they're deferring them. And so that when you hear about the Postal Service being in debt, it's because they're essentially in debt to, the, to themselves, to, well, to the government for not having pre-funded these health benefits. Um, and the issue, though, is that, yeah, sure, these losses are on paper. But it still prevented them from really investing and kind of, you know, modernizing some aspects of of their operations. And they have also faced legitimate challenges. Obviously, the volume of first class mail, right, like just letters, which is sort of their bread and butter, has plummeted, plummeted thanks to the Internet. That's been balanced out a good deal by package delivery. And that's helped a lot. And in fact, there are many years over the past decade where they would have turned a profit operationally if it had not been for this pre-funding requirement. Uh, Most recently, like in 2019, that would not have been the case. They would have still lost money even if you ignored this whole health benefit thing. But 
there have been years where actually there would have been fat years and there would have been thin years. So the Postal Service's financial troubles are are partly a result of its core business declining, but they are also largely creation of Congress. And so that's why the whole idea of just totally trashing service in order to save money on the edges is so, so absurd. That is like, okay, well, we've we've totally screwed up this this key American institution's books for the past decade. Let's make sure people now can't get their mail so we can save a few extra shekels. Like, come on. So let's talk about the new postmaster general. As soon as he began taking the helm, folks started ringing the alarms, saying, we need to talk about this guy. And I got to tell you, you look at his resume, and it's not quite the same but I get, like, real Gordon Sondland vibes off this guy. Like, I don't know if you remember from impeachment. He was, like, the yeah, big no. donor who was made an ambassador. You know, he's he's a big donor put in charge of the post office. His wife was just— Was an ambassador, and she she's previously been an ambassador, and she's currently nominated to be the ambassador to Canada. Yeah, no, it, it's similar. It's similar vibes, yeah. Yeah. So explain a little bit who he is. So— Louis DeJoy is a former logistics executive, right? What is logistics? It's shipping. It's trucking. It's it's getting goods from one place to another, right? Um, and he ran a company called New Breed Corporation. It was a family business that he took over at, when it was a small trucking company, and he made it into uh, you know a fairly large a fairly large corporation. Um, in fact, in the U.S. Postal Service was one of its clients, and eventually he sold that company, New Breed, to another logistics firm, uh, a much larger one called XPO. Um, XPO it's a it's a global corporation, and again they also do you know logistics, shipping, trucking, moving moving your Whirlpool dishwasher from you know Lowe's to your house or, or whatnot. <laughs> Um, one of the first things that most people uh, noticed when he was nominated to be the postmaster general was, or selected to be the postmaster general, is that he was a major Republican donor. Um, he's given money to uh, the Republican Party, uh, apparently about $2.5 million total. And he also donated to uh, Donald Trump's victory fund, right? So he's a Trump donor and he's a Republican donor. And he's people immediately started to worry that Donald Trump was putting a flunky in charge of the Postal Service. And the reason this would concern people is because Donald Trump has spent the last several years trashing the Postal Service, calling it a joke, saying how it needs to increase package prices, mostly because he hates Amazon, because Amazon is owned by Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post. Do you have like a greatest hits of what Trump has said about the post office? He's called it Jeff Bezos' delivery boy, and um, he's, you know, he's called it uh, the Amazon, like, scam, and he's he's totally baselessly talked about how the, the Postal Service is supposedly giving Amazon a sweetheart shipping deal. Um, for a long time, he latched on to this stat, let's call it a, a factoid, because as I'll explain in a second, it, it wasn't remotely true. But a, a while ago, uh, Citibank put out this report suggesting that the Postal Service was losing like $1.50 per package, like it was losing money on every package it shipped. Huh. And the way it arrived at that conclusion, it was essentially essentially adopting a line that lobbyists for UPS had been spouting in their attempts to get the Postal Service to up its package prices, because of course that would mean more business for them. Private shippers want the Postal Service to charge more because that means more people will use private shippers like UPS and FedEx. So using the data from the USPS's major competition. 
Yeah, basically. And with the Postal Service, um, basically how you view their finances and whether or not they make money on packages kind of depends on how you think about the way they distribute their their fixed costs, like co- how they, they cover their fixed costs. Basically, the Postal Service says that they cover their fixed costs through the price of their their letters, their first class mail, and that lets them charge a little less on packages so they can get more of that business. And UPS says that's unfair, that they should charge less for the letters and charge more for the packages. That That's like what the whole argument is. And so they try to spend, turn that into, into the idea that the Postal Service is losing money. What's funny about this? Ar- it's so funny. I'm like, who cares what you think? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, well, no, they just distribute their. They just like, distribute. That's, that's their- cool. You have your own business. You yeah, do, you do you, buddy. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, well, no, they're not losing money on the packages. It's just that they're like they've they've priced their different products in order to maximize their amount of volume so that they make more money. It, it's very silly. But Donald Trump, like you know, latched onto this and he still cites it, right? Like it's this idea that he has just wedged in his brain. And so he has had this vendetta against the Postal Service for a variety of reasons for a long time. And then also he's been on the warpath about vote by mail for the last several months. And so we've had all these reasons to be worried about what Donald, about Donald Trump's ill intentions for the United States Postal Service. And then he puts this flunky or this guy who looks a lot like a flunky in charge of it. And that immediately caused a lot of people's uh, spider senses to start tinkling. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, while I I was looking into this story, I wanted a better picture of how, like, postal workers were thinking of Louis DeJoy and (laughs) their new boss. They were not happy. Yeah, I mean, the head of the New York Postal Union runs this Facebook group where he puts out videos, like 25-minute videos, where he just, like, free associates how he's feeling. And he did one just all about... Louis DeJoy. I think it's called Louis DeJoy Must Go. And destruction. The only thing that this man is concerned about is making money. The problem is you're the postmaster general of the Postal Service. The Postal Service mission has never been to make money. That's why they call it a service. He looks into everything that happened at DeJoy's last job. And he's like, listen, you need to know about this guy, that this logistics company he ran, the New York Times did an investigation of them. And the pregnant workers at this company were miscarrying because they were working so hard. And they've never been unionized. You know, it's, and he raises all these points. And I was like, yeah, that is, that's a good point. He is not pro-labor. <laughs> that is, he is, he is not uh, known as un- a union-friendly guy. And that is one of the the core tensions between conservatives and the Postal Service, right? One of the reasons... They hate it so much. Let's be honest. Why, why a lot of conservatives despise the Postal Service is because it's a huge, huge unionized workforce. They see it as the enemy in a lot of ways. And, you know, some people will some people will even talk about this, that there's a racial element to this because it's a, a it's a large unionized workforce with a lot of black employees and conservatives just you know, they've wanted to spin it off and privatize it and break the union and for for years now. And the Trump administration, I'd say, also at one point put out a plan to pri- to eventually spin off the, the, the Postal Service, an outright privatization plan. Um, they kind of walked it back afterwards, you know, because it's not exactly a popular idea. But, you know, th- this guy that they've put in charge is sort a sort of the antithesis of what the Postal Service stands for. He's a union-busting former private logistics executive. It's very much Fox in charge of the hen house, you know? So 
let's lay out exactly what he did when he took this job, because very quickly he started remaking the organization, not just what happened this weekend, but he started doing things like cutting overtime. Well, just saying they won't pay overtime. Yeah. And within about a month of arriving, he announced a, quote, operational pivot, right? Like that's that's uh, and no one ever wants to hear about an operational pivot. <laughs> We're pivoting to video. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> it's yeah, right. Journalists especially fear that phrase. But in, in this case, it was a series of cost-cutting measures. Uh, he said there would be no more overtime pay. Uh, he told uh, letter carriers that they were not to return to pick up mail that had to be left on the factory floor if they couldn't make it all in one trip. They were just to leave it there. Um, they weren't to do multiple trips in order to make sure all the mail got sent out each day. It was just, you know, you make your one scheduled delivery, and if stuff doesn't fit on the truck, too bad, we get it the next day. Don't work too hard. So what is he saying? So what he's saying? Yeah, don't work overtime, right? That was like, you know, he just wants to, quote, cut costs and and find efficiencies. Is there a charitable interpretation of this? Like, we needed our workers to be more efficient, and so we really had to draw a line somewhere. The most charitable interpretation is that he's trying to save a little bit of money for the Postal Service because it's had these big, you know, quote, losses over the past decade and that it's time for it to become more efficient and lose less money. But even if you were looking at this from the perspective of trying to fix an organization, it's extremely penny-wise pound-foolish. These changes have resulted in massive backlogs in mail that are undermining people's faith in the Postal Service's ability to do its basic job. If you were trying to fix an organization and, and get it in shape for the long term, this is not the approach you would take. Just making it shittier at its job is not is not really plan A. And we should lay out really explicitly why a lot of politicians are thinking about this in terms of the election. Because in 34 states, you don't just have to you know, sort of have your absentee, absentee ballot postmarked by Election Day. It has to be received by Election Day. So you can right. see how a well-meaning person could drop off their ballot, you know, a few days early and it still wouldn't reach the destination on time. Right. There's a concern about whether or not people will get their ballot on time and whether they'll be able to get it delivered to the county election office on time, right? We've seen some discouraging signs already, for instance, with the Michigan primary, where some people weren't getting their ballot until literally the day before. New York right? primary, did, too. Yeah, it was. It, there have been signs that this is not an imaginary problem, that this is, this is a real and present danger. And DeJoy is so far given absolutely no signal that he has any real plan to, to fix this problem. You know, his first public comments have just been that we are fixing the post office and we're, we're going for these operational efficiencies. And don't worry, you know, the ele- we, we will be able to handle election mail. But he, he's not explaining how. Jordan says there is a way to avoid an election meltdown. Make restoring the Postal Service a sticking point of the next coronavirus relief package. The thing is, doing that will take more than money. Any aid for the Postal Service, it'll need some tamper-proof legislation around it. It's pretty obvious at this point that just giving USPS more cash is not good enough because it's not clear that the Trump administration or Louis DeJoy would actually use the money, right? Like, that's, that's the problem. Or use it in good faith. Or use it in good faith. It's not clear that they would... So we're now at a point where 
whatever happens or if if they if Democrats and Republicans can reach some sort of a deal on coronavirus relief, that bill needs to contain a bailout for the Postal Service that one provides more money two tells the Postal Service how it has to use the money and how it has to restore service and has to speed up delivery back to where it was and prioritize ballots. And then it also has to have all these other you know, legislative protections to make sure that the Trump administration doesn't just essentially uh, freeze the money and pr- and not use the funds, which, as I discovered while I was talking to some uh, appropriations experts, there are all sorts of backhanded ways the Trump administration could actually um, basically impound any money Congress wanted to give it if they're not careful and don't put restrictions. So there are like these multiple layers of Congress needs to give it money, tell them how to use it, and also give very specific legal instructions that they can't not use the money. Like it's just, and then on top of all of that, we have to hope to God the Trump administration actually just follows the law and doesn't totally flout it, which as we know, they might just, you know, they occasionally just flout the law when they feel like it. Hmm. Is it crazy to think that Republicans might want to help Democrats save the Postal Service? You know, it's crossed my mind. I don't know. It's hard. There's also a large contingent of the party right now that's actually happy to just like not pass any bill to deal with coronavirus relief at this point. But the USPS is the most popular federal yeah. agency, like more popular than parks, more popular than NASA. Yeah, but again, you have to realize that they really hate the postal service. Like a lot of a lot of dyed in the world conservatives really truly dislike it. But I think the, the reason why some conservatives might want to fix this issue is that Republicans are worried that their elderly voters in places like Florida are going to get screwed by this because they rely on vote by mail. You know, we we saw a little bit of movement on this from Trump, where he after months and months of talking about how you know, voting by mail wasn't reliable and it was fraudulent. It was going to, you know, it was going to be part of the Democratic plan to rig the election. He suddenly kind of reversed course and said, except in Florida, in Florida, vote by mail is great. They have an established system and absentee balance there are totally safe. And you should, if you're an old person in Florida, you should feel 100% comfortable putting your ballot in the mail. And of course, that's where the president votes by mail. Right. It, it has for a while. And so it was silly. And it shows how some it clearly shows how some Republicans are whispering in his ear, hey, you might be screwing us over, too, by doing this. And so, you know, maybe just maybe that provides an opening to actually try and take action to fix what's wrong with the Postal Service right now. But I would not I would not count on a big hand from Republicans on this. Let's put it that way. I would not. There needs to be as much volume about this as possible as soon as possible. Like this, if I'm the Democrats right now, I'm just talking every single day about how Donald Trump is sabotaging the Postal Service. Yeah. You know, you're a business reporter, and I I think I know where you come down on this, but a lot of the criticism of DeJoy from postal experts has been that he talks about the USPS as a business. Um, with the idea that it's not a business, it's a service, it's a postal service. I heard the the union guy say this too. He's like, it's not a business, it's a service. Do you buy that? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, it is a service. I mean, like, it's in the goddamn Constitution. Like, for various reasons, the Postal Service is treated as, like, an independent agency that's supposed to sort of be self-sustaining. And I don't think it's totally crazy to, to look for the Postal Service to— kind of sort of break even, right? Like just like, to, you know, you don't want to be totally su- spending taxpayer dollars 
you know, deeply subsidizing Amazon deliveries, right? Like private corporate customers and such should probably be paying their fair share. Um, at the same time, like there's no reason not to treat the mail as a government service. There's no reason to be thinking of it as a profit making entity. If you believe in government services, you know, the, the, the postal service is kind of the original one. It's the thing that actually like made the United, this big sprawling country into something approximating a unified whole. The fact that you could actually send letters across from it and the government, across it and the government would carry them. Um, so yeah, I mean, not to wax eloquent, but, or grand eloquent, but I think treating it as a business is a little bit base and a little bit, and, and, and wrong. And it, it tells you a lot about the people who do, that they, 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 they can't conceive of something as just a, a public good. You're a believer. Oh yeah, no, I like I'm if you believe in functioning government services and and public goods, you know, this is the OG. <laughs> right? Like this is this is the original. Jordan Weissman, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Jordan Weissman is Slate's senior business and economics correspondent. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Daniel Hewitt, and Jason DeLeon. We're getting a little help from Daniel Avis. We always get a boost from Alicia Montgomery and Allison Benedict. I'm Mary Harris. Find me on Twitter at Mary's Desk. I'll catch you back here tomorrow. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.